Welcome. In the last talk, we looked at alphabetical psalms that are regular and irregular. And we looked in particular at Psalm 9 then, which is irregular in that it misses out one of the Hebrew letters and it only takes us halfway through the Hebrew alphabet. And when a psalm suddenly stops halfway through the Hebrew alphabet, well, we wonder whether we could find the other half of it somewhere else. And today we're going to be looking at the next psalm, which is Psalm 10. And there's a hint that this might actually continue the alphabetical sequence that the previous psalm has begun. It begins with the letter Lamed, which is a letter which, which we expect to appear at the beginning of the sequence. And then we wonder whether we imagined it. Psalm 10 is the most irregular of all the alphabetical psalms. And we look through it and the sections are not beginning with the letters of the Hebrew alphabet in order. And just when we're convinced that it's not really alphabetical at all, suddenly verse 12 comes in, beginning with the letter Kuf. And so it is for the last four letters of the Hebrew alphabet. They appear in order at the beginning of verses 12, 14, 15 and 17 of Psalm 10. So to Psalm 10 does have a little bit of the alphabet, but why is it so irregular? My name is Keith Simons and I present these talks, How to Understand the King James Bible, using the book of Psalms. Each time we look at a different passage of the Psalms, seeking to understand its meaning by looking at it word by word and verse by verse. So let's turn to Psalm 10 and uh, in some copies of the book of Psalms, in some ancient copies, Psalm 9 and Psalm 10 are actually joined together as if they were one psalm. But I think it's right, as in the King James Bible, to separate the two because they really are on quite separate subjects, although in some ways they're related to each other because they're about a wicked man and that wicked man's evil deeds. So turning to first one of Psalm 10, which has no ancient title, Why standest thou afar off, O Lord? Why hidest thou thyself in times of trouble? So a prayer then, and a prayer that says to God, Why? Are you standing so far away? We need you, O oh God, to help us. We're in a desperate situation. This is now our time of trouble and we need, we need you to be with us. But it seems as if you're not taking, taking an interest in our troubles. It seems as if you're someone standing so far away or even someone who is hiding away. And at this time when we are so desperate, we turn to you. 
It's put as a question, almost as a complaint, but really it's a plea, a plea for God's help that says, God, these things should not be so. Are you not Israel's saviour? Then why are you far from us? Are you not the one who we depend on to rescue us? And why does it seem to us as if you are hiding? And of course the answer is that God is not standing far away and he's not hiding. He is ready to help his people and to save them from their troubles. But Israel's people must turn to him in faith and in hope because the answer to their problems is not immediate. God is waiting for the proper time to act. And that causes Israel's people to worry about why God is not acting. But it also causes the wicked person who we're going to read about in the, the rest of the psalm. It causes that wicked man to imagine that God will not do anything against him. And so we launch into verse 2. And as I've already said, we're expecting more of the Hebrew alphabet to begin each of the sections of this verse, and it's not there. Why is it not there? Well, take a look at the clearest of the alphabetical psalms, Psalm 119. It's perfectly regular. In our King James Bible, the headings show us the order of the verses by telling us which letter of the Hebrew alphabet they're up to each time. It's regular because it's about the law of the Lord. It's about God's word and God's word is perfect. But Psalm 10 is irregular. It's irregular when it's talking about the wicked man, this great evildoer, because there is nothing regular or right or in order about what a wicked person does. Everything is out of order. Everything is in chaos. And so the psalm suspends its alphabetical order and it will only return to it when it turns to God and when it, when it prays to God in faith and expectancy for God to act. When the psalm can declare in verse 16, the Lord is king forever and ever, then you may be sure that psalm will be regular in its alphabetical structure once more. Back, though, to verse 2 and this picture of the wicked person. A particular wicked person, it seems to be describing, but in a general way, what is here is true about all people who choose wicked behaviour deliberately above what is right and good for them to do. Verse 2, the wicked in his pride doth persecute the poor. The wicked in his pride. Oh, he's trusting not in God, but in himself. And he imagines himself to be a truly great person. And that is why he persecutes the poor. The Hebrew word for persecute really means he chases after. It's a word picture for him causing such trouble like a wild animal that is chasing after its victim. And it doesn't turn away. It just keeps on and on and on with that chase. 
And so it is with the wicked person. It's not enough for him that the person he opposes is already poor. No, he wants to make that person poorer and poorer and poorer. And uh, the author of our psalm then turns in prayer against against wicked people who do such things. Let them be taken in the devices that they have imagined. Devices are plans, schemes, wicked schemes. Let those wicked schemes turn against these wicked people. May they suffer the things that they're causing other people to suffer. The evil things that they do. Let it be them who suffer from these evil things and not the poor people who are now suffering. Verse 3. For the wicked boasteth of his heart's desire and blesseth, blesseth the covetous whom the Lord abhorreth. So we've got this wicked person speaking proudly about his desires, how he loves evil things, how he loves his own greed. Who does he approve of? He approves of the covetous person, of the person who desires to get wrong things in an evil way. That's the kind of person who a wicked person thinks is good. But that covetous person is the person whom the Lord abhorreth. God hates that greedy desire for things which God has not given to people. God hates it when people turn from, from being content with what God has provided and start looking at other people in a jealous manner and desiring the other person's possessions and taking things from another person by evil deeds. God hates that kind of behaviour. But what, what does it matter to this wicked person what God hates? Verse 4, the wicked, through the pride of his countenance, will not seek after God. The pride of his countenance. Countenance means his face. Pride means looking upwards. Uh, it, it's, it's as if the expression is, because he lifts his face up proudly. Have you seen proud people doing that? Lifting their face up, not even wanting to look after the look at other people. Oh, this person is lifting up his face so high that he won't even look for God. He will not seek after God because he has become so proud. No, God is not in all his thoughts. God is not in any of his thoughts. He doesn't think of God at all. He thinks that God doesn't care about his evil deeds or that God will not punish evil deeds. No, this wicked person has become so proud. Verse 5, his ways are always grievous. That word in the Hebrew really means twisted, perverted. He's going the wrong way and it's, he's chosen that way deliberately. Thy judgments, that's talking to God now, God's judgments 
are far above out of his sight. He's not looking at all at what God declares to be right and good. No, he's looking at his own selfish desires, his own his own greedy thoughts. These are the things that gain his attention. These are the things which he thinks are right and good. As for all his enemies, he puffeth, puffeth at them. Puffeth means, we still have the English word puff, meaning to blow. And the word picture in, in the Hebrew is, is him mocking his enemies. Whether his enemies are other people, whether his enemy is God himself, he mocks his enemies. He laughs at them. He thinks that no one is ever going to stop his plan. He hath said, verse 6, in his heart, I shall not be moved. Nothing will ever disturb me, for I shall never be in adversity. I shall never. The Hebrew there actually means from generation to generation, from age to age, I'll never be in trouble. He really means he will never be in trouble. This man has become so proud he thinks he will live forever, or at least he speaks and he acts as if he will live forever. He acts as if there is no judgment against his evil deeds. He acts, therefore, as if he can do what he likes. Verse 7, his mouth is full of cursing and deceit and fraud. Under his tongue is mischief and vanity. His mouth is full, contrasted with under his tongue. His mouth is full, explains the words that he speaks. Under his tongue is the words he doesn't speak, but which are hidden beneath his words. What is his mouth full of? Cursing. We usually use that today to mean speaking evil words. But, uh, of course, those evil words may be false oaths, false promises. And that's what the Hebrew is concerned with here. He's speaking false promises. And they're promises that are of, are of deceit and fraud. So the reason he's making these promises is to take advantage of people. Deceit means lies. Fraud means taking advantage. He makes false promises so that he can take advantage of people because hidden underneath his tongue is mischief and vanity, empty words, words that cause trouble. You can't trust a word he says. He is out to take advantage whenever he can. Verse 8 moves on to a description of his behaviour. And we've got little hints here which are expressed more fully in verse 9 that the description here is of a, a lion. And uh, in the next three verses, I think it is, there's a description of how a lion behaves and then it's interpreted in terms of how this wicked person behaves. So firstly, verse 8, he, the lion, sitteth in the lurking places of the villages. Lurking places. The places where a thief sits 
or a wild animal where a lion might sit while it's waiting to attack someone. So hidden places, places where you're not going to see him. This is where this lion is sitting. And so it is that in the secret places doth he, the wicked man, murder the innocent. He, he's hiding away, ready to attack like a lion. And then he kills because his eyes are privately, privately, that means secretly, set against the poor. He's looking for the weak, defenceless person so that he can kill him, so that he can steal his property. Verse 9, again, we start with the description of a lion and this time it's expressed. He lieth in wait secretly as a lion in his den. The den is where the lion hides and there he, he waits secretly. But now we've got the wicked person. What's he doing? He's lying in wait to catch the poor. And how, how does he catch the poor? He doth catch the poor when he draweth him into his net. So the word picture is changed to a hunter who uses a net to catch wild animals. And he tempts those wild animals to go in a direction which is not safe for them so that they can walk into the net and be trapped. That's how this wicked man is behaving. He's taking advantage of poor people by trapping them. He, he convinces them that a certain thing is safe to do. And when it becomes clear that it's unsafe, it's too late. The poor man has got trapped by the net. Verse 10, again the lion, he croucheth and humbleth himself. Croucheth, to crouch down, to get low to the ground. Humbleth, again to get low. That's what a lion does, as it prepares to pounce on, on its victim and kill that victim. You wouldn't think... A proud, wicked person ever humbles himself. But no, he's willing to humble himself for one thing only. He's willing to go low and go close to the ground for one thing only, so that he can take advantage of people, that the poor may fall by his strong ones. Oh, because this wicked man, although he is, is the leader of wickedness, he has many others who he can direct, strong men who do the killing for him. He, in the meantime, sitteth, sits in comfort. He, he's happy. He's enjoying his wealth. No, when he kills people, he sends other people to do it. He hath said in his heart, God hath forgot. God hath forgotten. He hideth his face. He will never see it. God's forgotten my crime. Or God's hiding away. Or God can't see what I'm doing. I've organised my schemes too well. It's other people who are doing my evil deeds for me. That's what this, this wicked man is saying to himself. He doesn't believe that God will ever punish him. Just as in verse Verse 6, he didn't believe that he could ever 
die. He believed that he would be safe from generation to generation. So he doesn't believe that God will act. God, doesn't that offend you? Doesn't that offend you severely so that you will take action? God, we need to turn to you. We need to turn for your help. Lord, now it's not just a matter for us and our weakness. It's a matter of your honour, Lord. Because it must be seen that you are a God who does what is right, who punishes this wicked man for his evil deeds. If he will not repent, if he will not forsake his evil ways and turn to you, then God, you must act. And you must act in power because we can do nothing to prevent this wicked man's evil deeds. And with that thought, Psalm 10 turns back into an alphabetical psalm and finishes the alphabet that we began in in Psalm 9. And taking in turn the last four letters of the Hebrew alphabet, it prepares to explain what God will do to rescue his people. Verse 12 then. Arise, O Lord, O God, lift up thine hand, forget not the humble. So it's as if God has been sleeping. He must now arise, he must get up, he must act. He must lift up his hand, ready to strike this wicked man down. Forget not the humble. That's God's people, the poor people who suffered. Not the wicked man who in verse 10 pretended to be humble just so he could take advantage of people. No, these are the real humble people. The people who've been trusting God through all these troubles. God, you can't forget them. So act now. Verse 13. Wherefore doth the wicked contemn God? Contemn. It doesn't exist still in the English language. It means spurn God, scorn God, speak evil words against God, laugh at God, insult God. Wherefore doth he do it? Why does he do it? Why does he continue to do this evil thing? He, that's the wicked man, hath said in his heart, Thou wilt not require it. So it's a reminder of what the wicked person's been saying all along to God. God, you don't require any punishment for my sin. I can do what I like and you will do nothing. But no, that's not so. Because we, the humble people of God, know the character of God. Verse 14, thou hast seen it. You've seen everything that this wicked person has done. For thou beholdest mischief and spite. God, you saw it. You saw his evil words, his evil behaviour, the trouble that he constantly caused. The word spite means provocation. To requite it with thy hand. God, you're going to act against him. You're going to act against him and punish his evil deeds. The poor committeth himself unto thee. To commit 
to God. He trusts his life on God. He depends absolutely on God. Thou art the helper of the fatherless. God considers himself the father of those poor people who don't have a father to defend themselves. Yes, if God is the helper of the person who does not have a father to do, to look after him, then God is the helper of all his poor people, of all these humble people who are suffering so much. Verse 15, praise, break thou the arm of the wicked and the evil man. Why break his arm? Because it's his arm which is lifted up in strength to oppose people. And if his arm is broken, he will lose all his strength. So this is a word picture of all his evil being taken away. And then if we haven't got it from the first half of the verse, the second half of verse 15 makes it clear what we're praying for. Seek out his wickedness till thou find none. God, search for that wickedness and act against it until you've utterly destroyed that evil behaviour, until that wicked behaviour can continue no more. God, prove yourself the ruler, the king, the almighty God. Verse 16 declares, declares the answer to that prayer. Even before it happens, in faith it declares it. The Lord is king forever and ever. No, this isn't like the wicked person who thought he could escape punishment forever and ever. No, God truly does rule forever and ever. And the heathen are perished out of his land. God's acted against the foreigners. He's rescued his people from their foreign evil enemies. Yes, and this evil man which had such power, his power has departed with them. Verse 17, Lord, thou hast heard the desire of the humble. Thou wilt prepare their heart. Thou wilt cause thine ear to hear. So the desire of the humble, of course, is their hope, their, their, their desire to be rescued. Thou wilt prepare their heart. God, you'll work in their lives. Establish a heart deep within them. Prepare them, establish them to do what? To pray the right things. To pray the right things in this time of need. Thou wilt cause thine ear to hear. And when you've directed them, God, to pray the right things, then you'll listen and you'll listen and you will act. You will act as judge, the judge who sets his poor people free, the judge who, verse 18, judges the fatherless and the oppressed. In other words, he acts to rescue those who can't defend themselves, those who are too weak to do anything against these wicked people. And why does he rescue them? It's so that the man of the earth may no more oppress. So that this wicked man, who we've been hearing of all along, who, is, who has been so great in his evil, so that finally 
his oppression, his cruelty might be at an end. And with those last two verses, they begin with the last letter, the very last letter of the Hebrew alphabet to make it clear that there will be a final time, a final judgment, a final punishment of those who will not turn from their wicked behaviour and a final time when God will rescue his people to live with him forever and ever in safety in the new Jerusalem where they will be with him always, free from trouble, free from oppression, free from all the troubles that the man of this earth, that the evildoer, that the wicked man can think to place against them. Please write to me. My email address is 333kjv at gmail.com. I'm Keith Simons. You can write to me again at 333kjv at gmail.com. And now in conclusion, let me read you the whole of Psalm 10. Why standest thou afar off, O Lord? Why hidest thou thyself in times of trouble? The wicked in his pride doth persecute the poor. Let them be taken in the devices that they have imagined. For the wicked boasteth of his heart's desire and blesseth the covetous whom the Lord abhorreth. The wicked, through the pride of his countenance, will not seek after God. God is not in all his thoughts. His ways are always grievous. Thy judgments are far above out of his sight. As for all his enemies, he puffeth at them. He hath said in his heart, I shall not be moved, for I shall never be in adversity. His mouth is full of cursing and deceit and fraud. Under his tongue is mischief and vanity. He sitteth in the lurking places of the villages. In the secret places doth he murder the innocent. His eyes are privily set against the poor. He lieth in wait secretly as a lion in his den. He lieth in wait to catch the poor. He doth catch the poor when he draweth him into his net. He croucheth and humbleth himself that the poor may fall by his strong ones. He hath said in his heart, God hath forgotten. He hideth his face, he will never see it. Arise, O Lord, O God, lift up thine hand, forget not the humble. Wherefore doth the wicked contemn God? He has said in his heart, 
thou wilt not require it. Thou hast seen it, for thou beholdest mischief and spite, to requite it with thy hand. The poor committeth himself unto thee, thou art the helper of the fatherless. Break thou the arm of the wicked and the evil man, seek out his wickedness till thou find none. The Lord is king for ever and ever. The heathen are perished out of his land. Lord, thou hast heard the desire of the humble. Thou wilt prepare their heart. Thou wilt cause thine ear to hear. To judge the fatherless and the oppressed. That the man of the earth may no more oppress.